saying that these yeah sorry i couldn't do one yesterday but okay we're moving on to chapter 12 i think let's find it there we go chapter 12 page 145 this one is told from leo's perspective and page is being page whenever i start reading page is suddenly summoned i think she likes my voice let me get the blanket page Okay, but you have to be quiet. I'm trying to read. I'm gonna need to wash this blanket soon. It's all filled with cat ferns, and if I'm allergic, it's probably not a good idea to keep it around. The words weren't like any place he'd been before. Leo had been raised in a North Houston apartment complex. The wildest things he'd ever seen were that rattlesnake in the cow pasture and his Aunt Rosa in her mallet gown, until he was sent to wilderness school. Even there, the school had been in the desert. No trees with gnarled roots to trip over. No streams to fall into. No branches casting dark, creepy shadows and owls looking down at him with their big, reflecting eyes. This was the Twilight Zone. He stumbled along until he was sure no one back at the cabins could possibly see him. Then he summoned fire. Flames danced along his fingertips, casting enough light to see. He hadn't tried to keep a sustained burn going since he was five at that picnic table. Since his mom's death, he'd been too afraid to try anything. Even this tiny fire made him feel guilty. He kept walking, looking for dragon-type clues. Giant footprints, trampled trees, swaths of burning forest. Something that big couldn't exactly sneak around, right? But he saw nada. Once he glimpsed a large furry shape like a wolf or a bear, but it stayed away from his fire, which was fine by Leo. Then at the bottom of the clearing, he saw the first trap, a hundred foot wide crater ringed with boulders. Leo had to admit it was pretty ingenious. In the center of that depression, a metal vat the size of a hot tub had been filled with bubbly dark liquid, Tabasco sauce, and motor oil. On a pedestal suspended over the vat, an electric fan rotated in a circle, spreading the fumes across the forest. Could metal dragons smell? The vat seemed to be unguarded, but Leo looked closely, and in the dim light of the stars and his hand held fire, he could see the glint of metal beneath the dirt and leaves, a bronze net lining the entire crater. Or maybe sea wasn't the right word. He could sense it there, as if the mechanism was emitting heat, revealing itself to him. Six large strips of bronze stretched out from the vat like the spokes of a wheel. They would be pressure-sensitive, Leo guessed. As soon as the dragon stepped on one, the net would spring closed and voila, one gift-wrapped monster. Leo edged closer. He put his feet on the nearest trigger strip. As expected, nothing happened. They had to have set the net for something really heavy. Otherwise, they could catch an animal, human, smaller monster, whatever. He doubted there was anything as heavy as a metal dragon in his woods. At least, he hoped there wasn't. He picked his way down the crater and approached the vat. The fumes were almost overpowering, and his eyes started watering. He remembered a time with Dia Feira, Hera, whatever, 
made him chop jalapenos in the kitchen and he'd gotten the juice in his eyes. Serious pain. But of course you'd been like, endure it, little hero. The Aztecs of your mother's homeland used to punish bad children by holding them over a fire filled with chili peppers. They raised many heroes that way. A total psycho, that lady. Lee was so glad he was on the quest to rescue her. Thea Kaida would have loved this fat because it was way worse than jalapeno juice. Leo looked for a trigger, something that would disable the net. He didn't see anything. He had a moment of panic. Naisa said that there were several traps like this in the wood and they were planning more. What if the dragon had already stepped into another one? How could Leo possibly find them all? He continued to search, but he didn't see any release mechanism. No large button labeled off. It occurred to him that there might not be one. He started to despair, and then he heard the sound. It was more of a tremor, the deep sort of rumbling here in your gut rather than your ears. It gave him the jitters, but he didn't look around for the source. He just kept examining the trap, thinking it must be a long way off. It's pounding its way through the woods. We gotta hurry. And then he heard a grinding snort, like steam forced out of a metal barrel. His neck tingled. He turned slowly. At the edge of the pit, 50 feet away, two glowing red eyes were staring at him. The creature gleamed in the moonlight, and Leo couldn't believe something that huge had sneaked up on him so fast. Too late, he realized his gaze was fixed on the fire in his hands, and he extinguished the flames. He could still see the dragon just fine. It was about 60 feet long, snout to tail. Its body made of interlocking bronze plates. Its claws were the size of butcher knives, and its mouth was lined with hundreds of dagger-sharp metal teeth. Steam came out of its nostrils. It snarled like a chainsaw cutting through a tree. It could have bitten Leo in half, easy, or stomped him flat. Except it was the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen, except for one problem that completely ruined Leo's plans. You don't have wings, Leo said. The dragon snarl died. It tilted its head as if to say, why aren't you running away in terror? Hey, no offense, Leo said. You're amazing. Good God, who made you? He's dead. Are you hydraulic or nuclear powered or what? But if it was me, I would have put wings on you. What kind of dragon doesn't have wings? I guess maybe you're too heavy to fly? I should have thought of that. The dragon snorted, more confused now. It was supposed to trample Leo. This conversation thing wasn't part of the plan. It took a step forward and Leo shouted no. The dragon, the dragon snarled again. It's a trap, bronze brain, Leo said. They're trying to catch you. The dragon opened its mouth and blew fire. A column of white hot flames billowed over Leo, more than he'd ever tried to endure before. He felt as if he was being hosed down with a very powerful, very hot fire hose. It stung a little, but he stood his ground. When the flames died, he was perfectly fine. Even his clothes were okay.
which Leo didn't understand, but for which he was grateful. He liked his army jacket, and having his pants sewed off would have been pretty embarrassing. The dragon stared at Leo. Its face didn't actually change, being made of metal and all, but Leo thought he could read its expression. Why no crispy critter? A spark flew out of its neck like it was about to short-circuit. You can't burn me, Leo said, trying to sound stern and calm. He'd never had a dog before, but he talked to the dragon in a way he thought you'd talk to a dog. Stay, boy. Don't come any closer. I don't want you to get caught. See, they think you're broken and have to be scrapped. But I don't believe that. I can fix you if you'll let me. The dragon creaked, roared, and charged. The traps sprang. The floor of the crater erupted with a sound like a thousand trash can lids banging together. Dirt and leaves flew, metal net flashing. Leo was knocked off his feet, turned upside down, and doused in Tabasco sauce and oil. He found himself sandwiched between the vat and the dragon as it flashed. As it thrashed, trying to free him free itself from the net that had wrapped around them both. The dragon blew flames in every direction, lighting up the sky and setting trees on fire. Oil and sauce burned all over them. It didn't hurt Leo, but it left a nasty taste in his mouth. You stop that, he yelled. The dragon kept squirming. Leo realized he would get crushed if he didn't move. It wasn't easy, but he managed to wriggle out from behind, between the dragon and the vat. He squirmed his way through the net. Fortunately, the holes were plenty big enough for a skinny kid. He ran to the dragon's head. It tried to snap at him, but his teeth were tangled in the mesh. It blew fire again, but seemed to be running out of energy. This time, the flames were only orange. They sputtered before they even reached Leo's face. Listen, man, Leo said. You're just going to show them where you are. Then you'll come and break out of the air. Then they'll come and break out the acid in the metal cutters. Is that what you want? The dragon's jaw made a creaking sound, like it was trying to talk. Okay then, Leo said. You'll have to trust me. And Leo set to work. It took him almost an hour to find the control panel. It was right behind the dragon's head, which made sense. He'd elected to keep the dragon in the net, because it was easier to work with the dragon constrained. But the dragon didn't like it. Hold still, Leo scolded. The dragon made another creaking sound that might have been a whimper. Leo examined the wires inside the dragon's head. He was distracted by a sound in the woods, but when he looked up it was just a tree spirit, a dryad, Leo thought they were called, putting out the flames in her branches. Fortunately, the dragon hadn't started an all-out forest fire, but still, the dryad wasn't too pleased. The girl's dress was smoking. She smothered the flames with a silky blanket. And when she saw Leo looking at her, she made a gesture that was probably very rude and dryad. Then she disappeared in a green poof of mist. Leo returned his attention to the wiring. It was ingenious, definitely, and it made sense to him. This was the motor control relay, the process sensory input from the eyes, this disk. Ah, he said, well, no wonder. Creak? The dragon asked with its jaw. You've got a corroded control disc. Probably regulates your higher reasoning circuits, right? Rusty brain, man. No wonder you're a little confused. 
He almost said crazy, but he caught himself. I wish I had a replacement disc, but this is a complicated piece of circuitry. I'm going to have to take it out and clean it. Only be a minute. He pulled out the disc and the dragon went absolutely still. The glow died in its eyes. Neo slid off its back and began polishing the disc. He mopped up some oil and Tabasco sauce with his sleeve, which helped cut through the grime. But the more he cleaned, the more concerned he got. Some of the circuits were beyond repair. He could make it better, but not perfect. For that, he got, he'd need a completely new disc, and he had no idea how to build one. He tried to work quickly. He wasn't sure how long the dragon's control disc could be off without damaging it. Maybe forever, but he didn't want to take chances. Once he'd done the best he could, he climbed back up to the dragon's head and started cleaning the wiring and gearboxes, getting himself filthy in the process. Clean hands, dirty equipment, he muttered, something his mother used to say. By the time he was through, his hands were black with grease and his clothes looked like he'd just lost a mud wrestling contest, but the mechanisms looked a lot better. He slipped in the disc, <sighs> connected the last wire, and sparks flew. The dragon shuddered, and its eyes began to glow. Better? Neo asked. The dragon made a sound like a high-speed drill. It opened its mouth, and all its teeth rotated. I guess that's a yes. Hold on, I'll free you. Another 30 minutes to find the release camps for the net, and untangle the dragon. But finally it stood and shook the last bit of netting off its back. It roared triumphantly and shot fire at the sky. Seriously? Neil asked. Could you not show off? Creek? The dragon asked. You need a name, Leo decided. I'm calling you Festus. The dragon whined its teeth and, gird and grinned. At least Leo hoped it was a grin. Cool, Neo said. But we still have a problem, because you don't have wings. Festus tilted his head and snorted steam. Then he lowered his back in an unmistakable gesture. He wanted Leo to climb on. Where are we going? Leo asked. But he was too excited to wait for an answer. He climbed onto the dragon's back, and Festus bounced, bounded off into the woods. Okay, hold on a sec. I'm going to grab some water. Page, I'm gonna need you. There we go. Thank you. Nope. Please let go of that. Thank you. <sighs> okay. Water acquired. Let me get back in my seat and I'll keep reading. Excuse me, Paige. No. Hey, not yet. Get that foot off. Okay, now it's time to continue reading. Sorry about that. Leo lost track of time and all sense of direction. It seemed impossible the woods could be so deep and wild. 
but the dragon traveled and sure the trees were like skyscrapers and the canopy of leaves completely blotted out the stars. Even the fire in Leo's hand couldn't have lit the way, but the dragon's glowing red eyes acted like headlights. Finally, they crossed a stream and came to a dead end. A limestone cliff a hundred feet tall, a solid sheer mass the dragon couldn't possibly climb. Festus stopped at the base and lifted one leg like a dog pointing. What is it? Leo slid to the ground. He walked up to the cliff, nothing but solid rock. The dragon kept pointing. It's not going to move out of your way, Leo told him. The loose wire in the dragon's neck sparked, but otherwise he stayed still. Leo put his hand on the cliff. Suddenly his fingers smoldered. Lines of fire spread from his fingertips like ignited gunpowder, sizzling across the limestone. The burning lines raced across the cliff face until they had outlined a glowing red door five times as tall as Leo. He backed up and the door swung open, disturbing si disturbingly silently for such a big slap of rock. Perfectly balanced, he muttered. That's some first-rate engineering. The dragon unfroze and marched inside, as if he were coming home. Leo stepped through, and the door began to close. He had a moment of panic, remembering that night in the machine shop long ago, when he'd been locked in. What if he got stuck in here? But then lights flickered on, a combination of electric fluorescence and wall-mounted torches. When Leo saw the covering, he forgot about leaving. Festus, he muttered. What is this place? The dragon stomped through the center of the room, leaving tracks in the thick dust and curled up on a large circular platform. The cave was the size of an airplane hangar, with end endless work table and storage cages, rows of garage-sized doors along either wall, and staircases that led up to a network of catwalks high above. Equipment was everywhere. Hydraulic lifts, welding torches, hazard suits, air spades, forklifts, plus something that looks suspiciously like a nuclear reaction chamber. Bulletin boards were covered with tattered, faded blue prints. And weapons, armor, shields, war supplies all over the place, a lot of them only partially finished. Hanging from chains far above the dragon's platform was an old, tattered banner, almost too faded to read. The letters were Greek, but Leo somehow knew that what they said. Bunker 9. Did that mean 9 as in the Hephaestus cabin, or 9 as in there were 8 others? Leo looked at Festus, still curled up in, on the platform. <coughs> it occurred to him that the dragon looked so content because it was home. It had probably been built on that pad. Do the other kids know? Leo question, Leo's question died as he asked it. Clearly, this place had been abandoned for decades. Cobwebs and dust covered everything. The floor revealed no footprints except for his and the huge paw prints of the dragon. He was the first one in this bunker since, since a long time ago. Bunker 9 had been abandoned with a lot of projects halfway, half finished on the tables. Locked up and forgotten, but why? Leo looked up at a map on the wall. 
battle map of camp, it, but the paper was as cracked and yellow as an onion skin. The date at the bottom read 1864. No way, he muttered. Then he spotted a blueprint on the nearby bulletin board, and his heart almost leaped out of his throat. He ran to the work table and stared up at a white line drawing almost faded beyond recognition. A Greek ship from several different angles. <coughs> Faintly scrawled words underneath it read, Prophecy? Unclear. Flight? It was the ship he'd seen in his dreams. The flying ship. Someone had tried to build it here, or at least sketched out the idea. Then it was left, forgotten, a prophecy yet to come. And weirdest of all, the ship's masthead was exactly like the one Leo had drawn when he was five. The head of a dragon. Looks like you, Festus, he murmured. That's creepy. The masthead gave him an uneasy feeling. But Leo's mind spun with too many other questions to think about it for long. He touched the blueprint hoping he could take it down to study, but the paper crackled at his toes, so he left it alone. At his toes? What? Touch. Oops. So he left it alone. He looked around for other clues. No boats, no pieces that looked like parts of this project, but there were so many doors and storerooms to explore. Festus snorted like he was trying to get Leo's attention, reminding him they didn't have all night. It was true. Leo figured it would be morning in a few hours, and he got a completely sidetracked. He'd saved the dragon, but it wasn't going to help him on the quest. He needed something that would fly. Festus nudged him something toward him, a leather tool belt that had been left next to this construction pad. Then the dragon switched on his glowing red eye beams and turned them toward the ceiling. Leo looked up to where the spotlights were pointing and yelped when he recognized the shapes hanging above them in darkness. Festus, he said in a small voice, we've got work to do. Okay. <sighs> ah. Oops, sorry, Paige. That's the end of this uh, chapter. So, uh, yeah. Work on it tomorrow, I guess. And, uh, yeah. See you later, Lippy. See you.